to Stokes, he's onside! Wagner! Here's Sims. It's a good serve this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. A stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Welcome, it's the Saints FC podcast and it's episode 108 and I've got Tom Parker with me and Tom I'm trying to like sound all enthusiastic and chipper at the you know the introduction of this podcast but it's tough isn't it it's like a blast from the past do you remember when we used to record podcasts in the Pellegrino era there's a bit of that vibe going on there is it feels worse does it feel worse? I, I, I said this to him, my mood gets affected by the football and it shouldn't. But I said this to him last night and I think a lot of Saints fans will feel like this. It's because there's no social life, is there, John? Mm. So you can't, the football means more. It's one of those things, isn't it? It's like, if you look at 2020, which, you know, let's face it, in the last few years, wasn't a great, wasn't a classic. Or vintage. Um, but the one thing that was good during 2020 was Saints. I mean, post-lockdown, post the first lockdown or, or during the first lockdown or Project Restart Saints were great. Started the season really great. Topped the division for a bit. Um, what, first league game in January, beat Liverpool. We're watching that whilst everyone else is watching Boris put us into lockdown three. There's six points off the top of that point, I think. Yeah, and... Um, I don't know. I mean, we haven't won since since the UK was put into lockdown three. I mean, well, I so, mean, we have. We've won three FA Cup games at that time. Yeah. Which I, I mean, someone pointed out yesterday that uh, point Southampton have fewer points after twenty five games this season than they did last. That can't be right, can it? Apparently so. Do we have thirty points after twenty five games last season? According to this person on Twitter. Yeah, I'm glad that you've verified your facts before coming on here, Tom. Hey, right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to verify. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, you know, I mean, my mate who's a Scunthorpe fan texted me and said three months is a long time in football. And I said, well, it's not even that. It's not even two, John, since yeah. we... It's mad, isn't it? It's almost like the way Ralph collapsed to the ground in that match and sobbed at us beating Liverpool, he should have saved that for the last day of the season. <laughs> you, you know, well, it's, it's one of these things, isn't it? It's like, at the time, I think we were just saying, oh, it's great, you know, I love the fact he's showing emotion and that he feels it. He feels it like a fan feels it, maybe even more than a fan. And um, now it just kind of looks a bit like, oh, that's a bit awkward isn't it yeah. it could be a meme at the end of the year yeah I, I the weird thing I don't I don't know what's gone wrong I mean I, actually you know what I'll, I'll rephrase that I used to work at Sainsbury's as you know and there was a bloke there called Lawrence Christensen who was the logistics director and he once went Sainsbury's really struggled years ago to put shelf, food on the shelves 
like literally that's the number one thing you can get wrong in the supermarket they couldn't get food on the shelves and it was all about how they got there and was this Lawrence's fault or was Lawrence the hero fix it and there was a memorable quote and he said I'd seen all of the things go wrong before but I'd never seen all of the things go wrong in the same place at the same time and that's kind of how it appears to be with Saints at the moment doesn't it with everything going wrong pretty much at the same time yeah everything that could go wrong has gone wrong yeah and, and shows no sign of abating yeah well, I mean, Tom, so the, the last time we met, we met with Carl uh, Anker from The Athletic. He used to be the, the Saints correspondent last season. He's, he's now covering Manchester United, which is the team that you support. So we had to pick up the pieces from that dreadful 9-0 and mm. the Newcastle game. And one of the points Carl made was that, you know, when you have a manager that talks about a philosophy, you have plan A or more plan A or bigger plan A and no plan B, which I'm not entirely convinced by because it's been four games since we last recorded. So we had the double header with Wolves. Yeah. So we had the FA Cup game, which we won 2-0. We had the league game, which we lost 2-1. We also had the, the draw with Chelsea yeah, in the league. And then we had the uh, away game at Leeds United from last night, which... Which was really bad, and I think probably our mood. Yeah, you know, had we recorded this podcast after any of those three games, I think the the mood would be a fair bit lighter. Yeah, I think that's safe to say. I mean, even in the game we lost of those three, the Wolves game, you know, first half they were excellent. Yeah, as good as they've been for a long time. So I think, yeah, you know, you had you had reasons for optimism. I think I think last night's game, you know, felt different mm. something's different about last night where um you know they were torn apart they were in the game to be fair in the first half and they should have been tuning up in 10 minutes mm. um but then they were torn apart and they weren't torn apart they were torn apart by exactly the thing that leads do you know which is counter-attack and, and the, the horrible thing is how we weren't able to deal with what is really a car one-dimensional team yeah, well, let, let, let's deal with the Leeds game first and then I think we'll go back. So we'll, we'll deal with the most recent thing. Um, and I think if, if, we, if we start right at the very beginning, the first thing that obviously you look forward to on match day is an hour before the game. I mean, this, this is like in COVID times, obviously the first thing you look forward to um, on a match day when you're actually going to games is just, well, you look forward to everything. Just the moment you wake up, it's a good day, isn't it? It's a good day until you win, until you get the result, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, in, in COVID times, it's that moment an hour before, isn't it, where you get the team sheets come out and, and you get a chance to think, right, well, what are we going to do here? And it was a bit surprising because Ings and Minamino are on the bench. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got Teller starting. Yeah. Um, Redmond starting as well. Yes, it was a, I mean, I, I guess it was a surprise also, wasn't, you know, it's coming so soon after the players had kind of run themselves into the ground mm. again, um, against Wolves. I, 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 sorry, it's Chelsea. I thought it was interesting that we didn't play Adams instead of Ings. Sorry, I, I thought like Adams and Ings didn't play up front. Yeah. Yeah, though. Um, and then to accommodate Redmond and Teller, which kind of feels like 
two are the same kind of thing. Um, yeah, and obviously still no right back. I mean, this is the the mad thing, isn't it? Like you say, we're, we're a manager of philosophy. Philosophy is to play one way. Integral to that, absolutely integral, probably the most important position on the pitch. The fullbacks. And, you know... We don't have one. We, we were 50% down on fullbacks. Um, and we're playing Jan Bender right there. Yeah. It is one of those things, isn't it? I think when you look at the Ralph system, the four-two-two-two. um if any component part is missing, it's really obvious. Um, and, you know, so I think one of the reasons why he's liked Theo Walcott is because he can play like, you know, any of those front four positions, basically. You can put him in Redmond, similar, Minamino, similar. But the right back has become quite a specialist subject, hasn't it? I mean... The way Kyle Walker-Peters plays right back, there's nobody else in the Saints squad that's anywhere near him, is there? I mean, Jan Valery, well, I mean, he's a better option at right back than Bedrick, isn't right. he? I mean, at this is the thing, isn't it? You know, I mean, at least he's a right back. Yeah. Like, we we change, we, we let Jan Valery go on loan to Birmingham, who are not exactly pulling up trees in the championship. And he don't, as I understand it from Birmingham fans, play a similar style of football that we do. So it's not like, you know, he's going to learn a huge amount there. But instead, because we've, because we've let Jan Valerie go on loan, we then have to reconfigure the entire rest of the team, it seems to be, because we don't have a right back. And even when we do have a right back, Kane Ramsey, he obviously is just not rated, you know, he doesn't feel he can do the job. So, we have to then, this entire system, which is built into this club and ingrained into this club, and if you cut this club in half and you read what's inside the rings, it'll say this system, uh, it suddenly goes out the window. Mm. The, the club sends the one reserve right back out on loan. It, it's just mad, and the players just don't look comfortable in this system. They don't look happy with it. Bednarek looks lost at sea in that position, understandably. Just doesn't work. Mm. I mean, if we touch on if we if we're going to look back at all four of those games, there's actually more good halves of games from Southampton than there are bad halves. I think across so the four matches, two good in the FA Cup. You've got two good ones in the FA Cup. One really one good, good one against Chelsea and an okay one against Chelsea. Really good one in the first half of Wolves against in in, in the league, um, and then Leeds. I thought we had a good first half on the most part. Yeah, we did. Yeah, which is the yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I think the I don't think we're. I think the horrible thing is the run of games that will come out. Yeah, yeah, which we'll get to talk about. But I think the worry is is that they're in free fall, aren't they? Yeah, and they are yeah. like plummeting. Um, uh, a rate that you've just not seen, and then you just don't know. I mean, the next game's Everton away. You know, I watched the Liverpool Everton game. Everton are really good, you know, and they're, they're full of confidence and they're full of talent. And yeah, Fulham went there and got a result. But Fulham are pretty good at the moment, you know. Like it just doesn't. It's just not happening for Saints. We've got too many players out of form, too many players injured. And if you went through that starting eleven, um, 
you know, that started last night, who could you genuinely say is, is on form? Well, Redmond is, uh, sorry, Ward Powers, I'd say, is playing really well at the moment, despite the best efforts of everyone around him and Romeo. I think they're probably the only two players I would say are actually genuinely playing. Coming out with any sort of credit. Yeah, I, I mean, I do. I think Teller actually had a good game, but we can't talk about forms. He's not really played. Armstrong, actually, maybe Armstrong, mm. harsh, maybe those three. But you wouldn't say, I think McCarthy's unfortunate. He's conceding a lot of goals. I actually don't think many of them are his fault. I don't think he's covering himself in glory, though, is he, Alex McCarthy, at the moment? Well, his job's to stop goals. I mean, he, that's, yeah. He's had a lot of goals scored against him recently, hasn't he? And what I don't understand is Gunn got dropped, didn't he, against after Leicester. Mm. He let in a lot of goals. Um, It would appear to be that he just needs to be taken out of the firing line, literally, because everything, not everything seems to be going in, but it doesn't look like he's playing with confidence and something needs to change. And if you really think about it, the only position we've got on the pitch where you could argue you've got a good quality backup with Premier League experience is in goal. Yeah, I I mean, I think if we were to have a manifesto for the next few games, Tom, I think the goalkeeper is one that we, we need to talk about. Right, well, let Let's let's do this in a in a format that our listeners will recognise a little bit. So we'll start with the first half in Leeds, which was actually quite good. Yeah. Teller getting his first Premier League start. I mean, we've seen a few cameo appearances um, as a substitute. Thought he started really strong. He had that quite early chance, didn't he, where he just broke through the Leeds lines and just didn't yeah. hit it hard enough. Which is the second time he's done that. I can't. Which game was it? He did that. And I don't think it mattered because we, we won, but he did it in another... He mm. did virtually the same thing where he cuts inside on his right and then passes it to the goalkeeper. Yeah, just got to smash it, mate. Yeah, or keep going. Yeah, or keep going. Dink it over the keeper like Minamino would. Um, we had the Vestergaard header. Should have scored. Should have scored. Um, good header, though. Well, yeah, no, I mean... It's a free header from like eight yards out. Mike LeBrake's the tallest outfield player in the Premier League. Should yeah. Should get it on target. Okay. I mean, well, I take it back. Vestgaard, it was a dreadful header. Get it in the back of the net. <laughs> it, wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been a dreadful header if we got anything out of this game, John. But yeah. we, the light of the cold light of day, it's going to get examined. Um, then you had the Saints were awarded a penalty after Teller was brought down in the box. What do you make of this one? So I thought Penn straight away. Screaming pen. What I don't understand, and this is a thing, isn't it? This is a weird thing of why do it? He's beating him, isn't he? Mm. Why go for the, like, does it show like a lack of confidence in the squad? You know, where they like, just get a penalty if you can. Does it show a thing about young players that have been taught the dark arts that have only ever known kind of the dark arts, you know? Mm. Or was it, just a stupid thing to do. For my, for my, I, I thought he'd done him. You know, I thought he'd done him, and I, I don't know why he felt. Well, I do know why, because obviously you'd always take a penalty, wouldn't you? It's the, probably the most likely way to score on pitch. But yeah. just felt a bit, all a bit unnecessary, particularly in the age of VAR, where you know they're going to look at it, and you must have known what was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they didn't protest too much, did they? After it wasn't, after it was ruled out. Um, 
It's one of those things where I think he's done it sort of instinctively and, and maybe you're right. You know, he's been brought up in the age before he's been trained to be a footballer before VAR was a thing. Um, and when diving was very much a thing and not, not that it was a massive dive, but he sort of bought the challenge, didn't it? And, you know, this, I mean, this is more of a penalty than Martial's penalty against us, isn't it? I, I would argue so. I would, I mean, I, and this it, is one of the things I, I, you know, I don't, we always talk about other teams, but you know, one of the things that drove me mad watching again after watching that Everton Liverpool game was how Trent Alexander Armstrong doesn't get Arnold, so off. You always get Alexander always Armstrong. Get, what was his name again? Trent Alexander Arnold. Alexander Arnold. I always get his name wrong. Trent, let's just say yeah. how he didn't get sent off. You know, for arguably a more malicious challenge um, on uh, Calvert Lewin and. Yeah, it, but it, it, I think he played for it. I also maybe think he thought the guy was going to foul him. Mm. So he kind of was like, I'll just make sure. And then the guy didn't. Yeah. Like, who knows? We can guess for hours. And, but it really, you know, kind of like, it, it's not going for Saints, is it? No, no. I mean, we'll get that decision against us every day, but yeah. What is it? Yeah. For us. Um, we'll talk about the Chelsea game as well. Yeah. I mean, so. Let's have a look at, um, I mean, there's two other bits of really great Saints play in this uh, first half. Okay, so this one didn't come from a good bit of Saints play, but obviously Leeds had an amazing counter-attack, I think, from a Saints corner. And Romeo um, has basically done the greatest tackle in Premier League history. I mean, I'm just going to throw that out there. No, it was, and what was brilliant about it as well, Rafinha did exactly the thing that, Rafinha should have done to stop that tackle, which mm. is run, you know, bisect the run of Romeo, which I imagine is what they're taught at football at school, isn't it? Like, do that because it wipes out. Danny Ings is very good at that, you know. Brilliant. Last ditch. You know, the only, you know probably one of the only players to come out of anything with any credit. Mm. I, th- I think the shame here is, you know, like when you have a tackle like that, that tackle would have fit in really well in the, do you remember when Saints beat Leeds at Ellen Road in the season we got promoted? Yeah. And we just got battered and beat them 1-0. Kelvin yeah. Davis made like a thousand saves. Yeah. That that tackle belongs in a winning team's yeah. performance, doesn't it? You know, you do that what? tackle for what? For that second half performance that, that comes. But anyway, before we get on to the second half, Adams' goal. Yeah, I mean, again, like we talk about not getting the luck from refs, but I, I mean, I'm not a scholar of the laws of the game, but I thought you're allowed to take free kicks kind of that aren't shoot, you know, just I thought generally most people are allowed to take free kicks quickly. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's unless the referee has specifically said you've got to wait for my whistle, you're allowed to take an early free kick. But then the mad thing about this is he puts the whistle in his mouth to blow it makes, at exactly the same time that we take the free kick early. He makes two mistakes, doesn't he? Is that what they're saying? So he's made the mistake of of thinking that he has to blow for Saints to take the free kick, which isn't the case. Yeah. John, you and I were at Arsenal, weren't we, last season? And, and right in front of us, Ryan Bertram put the ball through for... Danny Ings to score and referee didn't blow the whistle then. No, and everyone said, what a marvellous, really clever bit of play. Realisation it was. And, you know, Saints 
there's another is there a bigger problem here of like saints men- mental fragility when things aren't going their way mm. and this idea of like we cannot hand you know like you remember like man united how tough they were mentally like when I'm under Ferguson and they're just nothing, they were just winning Terminators. Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter if they're losing, what was it, 3-0 to Tottenham at home at halftime or 4-0 yeah. and they will go and beat them 5-4. Yeah, I mean, like, it doesn't matter. They're just programmed to win. Yeah. Saints are like the opposite, which is right now, we are getting a lot of decisions against us. And I think that maybe they were rattled by the penalty that wasn't, so they yeah. can't see far. Maybe they're rattled by the, the Adams thing. And mentally... Then you know, there's two ways you can go. I imagine there. One is like, you know, that kind of uh, Mourinho mentality of like everyone hates us, we don't care. Like mm. form of like it doesn't matter. Or you do what Saints do, which is just fall pieces. Yeah, I was thinking of sort of Tim Henman during this game. Do you remember him, Tom? Yeah, English. Always nice. on the cusp of greatness, and it'd be like leading. Two sets to love, you know, four yeah. four games to love in the third set. All he has to do is, you know, close yeah. out his service game and he's through to a Wimbledon final, and at which point you'll he then becomes the worst tennis player in the history of the universe. And Saints are the same. They um they just fall to pieces. And, and yeah, I wonder if they've if if they'd gone in at half time there already feeling sorry for themselves. We didn't get the penalty because of VAR. We didn't get the goal, even though that's legit. But rather than going in half time and going, right, well, we've got leads on the ropes here. Yeah, let's go out there. Let's do this for another 45 minutes. Yeah, Teller's had a good chance. Vestigar's had a good chance. Adams has scored a goal. Teller's only got a penalty. If we keep on doing this, you know, four or five more decent chances in the game, you're going to score. You're going to score and you're giving yourself some... But you can tell this is already going against us. Which, again, there's there's baggage there for why they think that. And then Bamford gets a goal. Out of nothing. Out of nothing. And it's the kind of crumbling to pieces again, isn't it? It's just like the world is against us. It, it's, it's alarming to see their heads go. And the thing is, they're not going to get decisions. You know, because when you're down, you're down, aren't you? When you're lux out, you're lux out. And they're not going to get decisions. I mean, what they need right now is they need our next game to be like West Brom. Yeah. You know, or Sheffield, but it ain't. You know, it's Everton away and then it's not Man City away. Um, and they need it. They need like something. Like Adams needs the ball to hit him and go in. Yeah. Um, so you might needs- say that about Ings, which is what he did have in the Wolves game, isn't it? Yeah. Even those things which maybe start off a good run of luck are not doing it. I mean, yeah. the, the Bamford goal out of nothing, he hits it in the perfect spot, but even so... McCarthy gets a touch, doesn't he? Yeah, but I, I think McCarthy should do better with this, don't you, Tom? Yeah. But it's a good finish. It's a kind of, it's a very Danny Ings goal, isn't it? Mm. A clever goal. I mean, Bamford's a good player. Um, I mean, infuriatingly, he's quite a nice guy as well. Like, yeah. you want to hate him, but you, <laughs> he just like comes on afterwards and you're like... Yeah. Right now he's going to he might be going to the Euros and Danny Ings isn't. Yeah. Um but like it was a it was, you know, it was a stupid goal, wasn't it? It's just a one pass split mm. the same defense open. Um and even then he's still got a lot to do. I mean I think you know, I, I remember when I was trying to when I was garbage, but like someone told me if a goalkeeper gets a hand on it, he generally should save it. 
But that you know, at Premier League level, yeah. McCarthy has a hand on it. He's got to, he's got to save it. And from there, it just was a meltdown. Yeah, I mean, he makes a save from Lorente a little bit later. He makes a couple more saves, but you know, they they sort of at him. Like they're, they're ones where they're good saves, but if he didn't save them, they'd be bad, not saves. Um, also, Ralph actually makes some substitutions quite early on here. Yes. So Ings and Minamino on. Teller comes off. Who else came off? I can't remember now. Uh, was it Redmond? Potentially. Um, but what, what I saw after this, Tom, is just... Do you remember in the first half of the season where, like, any time someone spilled the ball or there was a, um, there was a, you know, uh, a tackle or, like, Saints would be there at the second ball. They'd be snapping at the heels. Yeah. This one, it was so obvious that Leeds were just, like, way more fired up for it than we were. Well, and on I, every I, second ball they were at and we weren't. Well, I, I was mainly, I was like, the second ball is just not dropping for us. But then... Second one doesn't drop you. Yeah, you've got to go and win it, haven't you? Yeah. You've got yeah. to go and fight for it and be aggressive and go and win the ball. And for whatever reason, I thought I thought Wall Prowse had a good, really good game, actually. I, I really did. I thought he was probably, him and Romeo are probably the only two players to emerge with any credit for Saints. Um, but it just, it's just not happening. And the problem is, is like everyone in the league is good. Even the crap teams... Are actually can be on their day mm. good so if they want it more than you you know like if they want that game more than you and they want that ball more than you they're going to get it and that's the minimum any Saints fan can expect from this group of, of very wealthy very talented individuals is to play with 100% commitment and I, I think there are too many players out there um, not playing with 100% commitment or aren't playing with their heads in the right place. Mm. And I think our senior players, I think Bertrand's head's not in the right place, Ings' head is not in the right place. I, I think you know, they're not there. I don't think McCarthy's head is in the right place. I, I, you know, I don't. And I, is it any, you know, it could be just a coincidence, but since the Bertrand contract talk, since the Ings contract talk, they appear to have lost their way um, I just don't know what's gone on. You know, they just not the, the players, the senior players, are not stepping up. That combined with a, you know, then the players who come in good, like your Adams, have just lost it, haven't they? Like Adams looks shot. Yeah. Um, compared to the sort of player we saw earlier this season, and it's like I said earlier, like we've seen all these things before. But we haven't really seen them all, certainly under Ralph, at the same time. No, it's pretty rubbish, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do we need to talk about Dallas's goal or the free kick from Rafina? Good free kick. It's good free kick again, though. I'm looking it, at this and thinking. When you think about that last time we won at that that time I mentioned earlier, when we won at Ellen Road one 0 Yeah. Who scored the goal that day, John? <laughs> I can't remember. Are you going to tell me, Tom? I'm going to have a look. I imagine it's got a feeling it could be Ricky. Yeah, probably. But, probably. You know, I mean, that game was all about Kelvin Davis. We haven't had a goalkeeping performance from any of our keepers, probably. I don't know. 
what, since Forster at Arsenal? Yeah, where you'd go, that was a real... Mm. Maybe, well, you could argue... Well, I don't... I mean, um, McCarthy against Man City last season. Yeah, yeah. Even them, a lot of them were at it, weren't they? Yeah. Anyway, well, should we go back and cover some of the good bits now? Yeah, go on then, John. So we're going to win the FA Cup, Tom. There is always that. <laughs> I mean, I I wondered, like, you know, has... Uh, there was Ricky Lambert in that game. Yeah. So I, 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 did, I posted this question on Twitter. Has the team ever been top of the league, been relegated, and won the FA Cup in the same season? Um, okay. When did... Did Wigan win the FA Cup and get relegated the season Wigan, after? No, Wigan won the FA Cup and then got relegated. Did Pompey win the FA Cup and get relegated? No, they got they got relegated afterwards. Afterwards, um, someone said Middlesbrough, perhaps, but I don't think Middlesbrough ever won the cup, did they? With Janino, um, didn't they yeah. get? I think they got to the final of both the League Cup and the FA Cup, lost them both, and got relegated. So that's a humbling over a year, isn't it? That is. Yeah. Um, goodness me, when was that? Ninety-seven, maybe. Yeah, ninety. It would be. Uh, I saw Janini. Yeah, the day. club managed to reach both the league and FA Cup finals for the first time, but lost out in both. Despite being the in the second two, they were runners up in the League Cup final again the next year. So yeah, I mean that is quite. That's, that's pretty. That's quite impressive, isn't it? Yeah, but we might win the FA. So we're we going to talk about Wolves and the FA Cup now. Yeah. Okay. Good positivity. So we won this game two 0 We had many many chances. Started the game really well. Ings eventually gets the goal, which is that really odd goal where it bounces back off the keeper, in off yeah. him, immediately gets flagged for offside in an era when they're not allowed to flag people for offside again. And VAR checks it and finds out he was onside. Weird goal. Uh, but it's, not, it's exactly the type of goal we need, isn't it? Yeah. Right well, it's the sort of goal where you thought like, oh, now we've got that. A mm. really odd goal with VAR going our way. Managed to hold on for the rest of the game. Forster keeps a, well, the defence keeper clean sheet. Salisu comes in and has a really, I mean, he had a couple of moments, but overall pretty good game, keeps a clean sheet. Armstrong loved the goal. Uh, Armstrong, beautiful goal. And you thought that was probably, that was probably it, didn't you? Do you think after that, we're okay now? We can we can press yeah, on. We've had our luck. And then they did get their mojo back, didn't they, going into the next game? What, I mean, they did. I mean, should we talk about who we've got in the quarterfinals, Tom, quickly before we move on to the league game? Yeah, the Cherries. Uh, under, not under um, Thierry Henry. But Jonathan Woodgate. Jonathan Woodgate, yeah. Um, did Jonathan Woodgate score an own goal and get sent off on his Real Madrid debut? No. I mean, so talking about terrible things that happens to footballers. Yeah, but they're what, like, they're sixth. In the, I mean, they'll fancy that when they're against Saints now. Yeah, I think they would. On that, I mean, it's at Dean Court. Like, it's not called Dean Court anymore, Tom. Not called Dean Court. Vitality Stadium, isn't it? Stadium, yeah. Sorry, sorry to the sponsors of Vitality. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a great, it's the best tie 
for Saints, isn't it? Like when you looked at the teams that are in still, Bournemouth are the arguably the weakest team in it. Um, and it does have that spice. I know it's not a derby, but you know, it's got a little bit of spice about it. But all of a sudden I, I feel less good about it. Yeah. I was really, really looking forward to it after we beat Wolves too now. Yeah. Now I just What's don't want date? us to mess it up. Is it the twentieth of March or the twelfth of March? I can't quite remember. Um Anyway. Who knows, Tom? It's not the twelfth, because that's Mother's Day, I think. And Saints are playing at noon. Uh, anyway, th- I mean, this is probably not very riveting for our listeners right now who are just who are scrolling through their iPhone going, uh, it's this day. It's, it's the 20th. 20th of March. This is a good thing about Saints games, though, is that because they're on early, they, they're ruining your day, aren't they? Nice and early. Get it in. Get it in. Ruin your Get weekend. Ruin, ruin your weekend nice and early so you can really grumble about stuff and you have to stay off Twitter because otherwise you'll see a load of other Saints fans moaning about the same things you're moaning about. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the loss in the league then, because beat Wolves two now. We start the first half at St Mary's, and we're absolutely brilliant. We're firing on all cylinders. We've got loads of energy. Ings and Redmond both have good chances. Ings's goal is just so good. And again, this I'm this is like I'm annoyed that Romeo's tackle was in a losing performance. And Ings's goal with Armstrong's build-up play here, again, this was a goal that was so good, it was deserving of three points. Yeah, it was lovely. And it was lovely from Stuart Oliver, who's brilliant yeah, at the moment. He's actually, you know, Saints are going to struggle, aren't they, to keep hold of Stuart Armstrong? Yeah, That's I mean, can we talk about this? Because running down the wing, two defenders coming at you from either side in the sort of pincer movement, and he chips the ball over their legs and gallops over like, you know, a horse at Aintree in the Grand National sprinting away to, to win. Mane and blowing in the in the gown. Yeah. And then like that crossfit Ings, he then does the slice volley into the net. I mean just at that moment you're like, come on, Saints are back. Everyone else the- can Go yeah. away because this is it. We're here. We're back. We're in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. We're going to win in the league again. We're playing brilliantly. Armstrong on his wrong foot, crossing that ball as well. Yeah. There's three brilliant things about a goal. Armstrong on his, Armstrong's run and cross. The block by Redmond is is like a real chef's kiss yeah. moment as well. And, um, and then the volley, which is great because Danny Ings doesn't break stride. Yeah, it does. On your right, you think we're back, back. This is it now. You know, like got their mojo back. Mm. They've got their games back, and they played really well that first half. But uh, you know, one goal is not enough to win games in this league. Not for Southampton. No, it's it's not, and um, it only takes one thing wrong for the cracks to start appearing. And the Bertrand penalty, the handball. This is another one where I think Saints can probably feel aggrieved. Well, I don't. they can't until the handball by the Wolves player. Yeah. You know, like, 
you, you would think that, I mean, Bertrand gets that ball blasted at him. Like, I don't know if you can even calculate the speed of a ball moving over such a short distance, but what must it be going? Like 60 miles an hour? Uh, 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 like four, three yards or something, three yards away, two yards away. And he, he, his, his arm is up, but he's not, mo- he's not moving his arm towards the ball. He's moving his arm away from the ball. It's blasted at point blank range. It's a penalty, I guess, because it's a penalty, but it does seem like a mad rule, doesn't it? Well, I mean, th- this is the thing with the handball rule. Surely it's a, like, the the most obvious thing to do is just say, if it hits the hand in the box, it's a handball, and that's that. I mean, there's certainly no intention. So they used to say, well, that handball wasn't intentional, and there's no way that he gets a ball, and, um, yeah, had it behind his body, and it was just quite unfortunate that it struck it. Um, so it's definitely not intentional. So then you, then... I guess you just assume, well, they've just decided that the rule is it's hit his hand and it's sort of changed direction or whatever. It's changed the outcome of the play, so therefore it's a penalty. And you accept that as long as the Dendonka one, where he's handled the ball with his arm away from the body, again, probably not intentional, but has changed the direction of the ball. Yeah, and that ball, and not only that, John, that ball, the Dendonka, has travelled. Yeah. You know, he's travelled through the air. He's been able to see where the flight of the ball, you know, which is not something you can say about Bertrand. Bertrand is an involuntary reaction. If anything, Bertrand does the right thing. It's actually like I say, he tries to get his hand out of the way. Like, Dendonka, how they can watch that ball, he crossed in. I think Dendonka's got Vestergaard behind him. So if he doesn't handball, he's got someone behind him, it goes through. His arm's in an unnatural position because he's kind of like he's kind of in like a crab position, and it doesn't get given. And I, you know, there's not a conspiracy. Like Saints fans have got this thing, oh, there's a conspiracy against us. There isn't a conspiracy. What there is is, you know, there is like there is never a conspiracy in life. There is instead cock up, and there is an and that's what it is. Is there and never we- conspiracy in life, though, Tom? What about um, Bruce Grobbler? Yeah, well, that's different. You know, that's a that's a criminal conspiracy. But what I mean is like this idea that the FA has a cabal of like people and they decide Southampton on the naughty list and that and all the referees agree and won't give any decisions. I think it's just that the, the officials are paralysed at the moment. And then Var Var's role is just wildly inconsistent, isn't it? Because Var's role, you would think, on Dendonka is to say that's a handball, but it but. It's the, they've complicated it by making this thing about a clear and obvious error, which doesn't make any sense. You know, like, if VAR is such a binary thing, mm. which it would appear to be, and it's certainly binary on offsides, as we know, why is it not binary on everything else? Like, I was listening to... There's an author I really like called Michael Lewis who wrote Moneyball, and he's got a podcast, another podcast. Sorry, John. Um, it's all right. People are allowed to listen to other podcasts. Yeah, and it's uh, it's all about why people feel they're being cheated by referees in life. Mm. And he talks about the NBA. And the NBA have real time. They have a centre in New Jersey where they're watching games. They have all the professional referees, and they're giving live feedback to the referees. 
And the referee is basically twirl their fingers in the air if they need the support of the video ref, and the video ref will analyze it. Now, what I don't understand is the Dindonka thing. I can understand the Bertram penalty being given. We, we hate it, but I can understand it. Why, like, why, and also, what, what's most maddening about it, if they're so confident in their decision-making process and they're so sure of it, why does Mike Riley or someone not come out after the game and say, okay, well, yes, absolutely, Ryan Birch's penalty is because of X, Y, Z. The reason why the Dindonka decision wasn't given is because. And you said you don't get that. And that just makes everyone go mad. Yeah. I mean, say, I, th- I think there's a number of different things which can be going on here. There's certainly incompetence, which is normally a much higher level than a conspiracy. Um, there is potentially corruption, but it, it would seem odd that corruption would be against Saints. I mean, we saw it with... Um, God, what was that that club um, that went out of business and it was all linked to like Asian betting markets last year, Tom? Totally yeah, it was the UK. Oh, well, there's uh, Wigan was the one that they thought was... Yeah, which, which, which they ruled out in the end, but it really smelt very fishy. Yeah, it was very strange. Um, and, you know, in a multi, multi-million pound business, there will... Billion pound business. There will definitely be people with lots of money trying to influence games and refs and players will be offered bribes and bungs and everything but then i just don't think that could explain like why would that all be against saints there's 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 not a logical reason why why it would be like that is there i mean john like like all these conspiracies right and this is not a conspiracy podcast but like Mm. imagine the number of people that would have to be involved. Because we're talking now, like, when could we point back and say things started to go against us? Well, you could certainly say the Aston Miller game. So you've got the Aston Miller game things going against us, the Wolves game things going against us, the Leeds game going against us. So that's... Man United game. Although that didn't change... No, but, you know, then what you're saying is, so you're having two linesmen in each game, eight linesmen, four referees... Video referees, all of a sudden you've got a conspiracy with 20 officials. Yeah. 20 professionals. Like, ain't happening. Which is impossible. But one goalkeeper, like the Bruce Grobler example, yeah, is where you've got a single point of failure where it can happen. So this, you know, the, the Michael Lewis point is very interesting because one of the things it talks about is um, the increase in abuse of referees being getting in the NBA. And the increase is being given not by regular players in the NBA, it's the superstars like LeBron James and the Steph Currys and people like that that are being sinned for abusing referees. And what they're saying is the whole point of video assisted referees is it's meant to remove any bias towards big name individuals. So, you know, like Alex Ferguson, always get the decisions. It's mm. meant to remove that. But you have to think that Southampton are not getting decisions that Man United are getting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's like unequivocal Thing, that like if they're they you know show me Man United not getting that Dendonka penalty, of course they'd have got it. Yeah. Um, Liverpool's a different kettle of fish, but like so I don't think there's a conspiracy. I think that there's ineptitude. I think there's. I don't think the referees know what really what the rules are. So, so, so are you suggesting that there's maybe an unconscious bias towards the bigger sides? combined with a bit of incompetence, combined with confusion over the rules, 
and maybe bad luck. Yeah, when you're down, you're down. Yeah. You know, that happens to you. And I think Saints now, and the problem is Saints aren't, you. there's two ways you can use it. You can use it as a wounded boohoo or you can use it as a galvanizing thing. Which we're definitely doing, wounded boohoo. No, no question about it. And that, that's therefore, it's making it worse because because we're not winning games and because we're not scoring goals, these things matter more. Because mm. ultimately, if we'd have won the Wolves game 3-1, then the Dendonka penalty, the handball wouldn't have mattered. But because we're going on to lose all of these games, we're now scrabbling around to try and find out why. And yeah. in the end, you know, bing, bing, bang, conspiracy. And it's not. There we um, go. I think we need to deal with it, though, Tom. It's a genuine question that people have. Yeah. And, you know, I've been playing football, watching football for a long, long time now. And I've always felt like I've understood the rules. And now mm. I don't. And the offside, I know you mentioned earlier that it was a binary thing, but I don't get the sleeve thing because the sleeve doesn't make any sense because the sleeve is not a consistent thing. Yeah. Some sleeves are short, some sleeves are long. Some players have like biceps, which mean that their sleeves finish higher or lower. Um, and so that that just doesn't make any sense. But I genuinely don't know where I would look or if there is a definitive rule. And I think that maybe this is one of the things that the referees are struggling with is that every week, even in the same weekend across the Premier League, you will see very similar incidents looked at by the referees, looked at by VAR, having very different outcomes. Yeah, and so, I mean, so if, yeah. if you take the Marshall penalty against Bednarek, the Teller penalty and perhaps the Alexander-Arnold penalty, they're all quite similar in a way. And then they've all, you know, and then there's different outcomes for each one. I mean, for me, the weirdest VAR decision of this entire season that kind of sums it all up was um, our friend Patrick Bamford, mm. you know, where he points and says, I want the ball there. And they draw the line, and they're like, well, his hand is offside. It's like, well, you can't score your hand. Mm. Like, it goes to, they don't know. And I, yeah, in their quest for, like, ultimate truth, all they've done is made everything so much more complicated. Yeah. Um, well, 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 I, it's quite interesting, because I don't think we, we perhaps realised this before VAR, but... Football is the football rules, you know, they were written on well over you know, 150 years ago, whatever. They okay, they've been changed a lot over that period of time, but there's a lot of gray areas, and a lot of the controversy happened in the gray areas. But then the fact that you couldn't go back and check it out meant that it was just like, well, it's one of those ones which could go either way, and the people could accept that, and you could accept an offside that was close, could go either way. But now it's supposed to be a binary decision. You're you're seeking the truth, but the truth isn't there because it's not. There's nothing in football that is binary. The only thing in football that is binary is has the ball crossed the line, which they managed to get wrong last season. And Aston Villa are in the Premier League and doing quite well in the Premier League this season as a result. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I do think they've. I wonder if in the application of all they've they've unleashed a monster mm. that they now can't put back in the box and. You know, unless all of the leagues in Europe agree to go back to no VAR, um, then we can't. You know, we can't be an outlier because, uh, you know, we can't have our teams playing in Europe. Um, but we do need some training on it and some 
and some f- and some sort of like final decisions on the rules that are published. Did, did you see this video with the uh, Australian referee? Yeah, doing I like the VAR? It. He's, they say to him, I could deal back. with that. If they can't do anything, can they? Because of the swearing, the players. Yeah, I tell you what, dish out a yellow card and a red card for some swearing, and they won't do it anymore. Yeah, because they'll I mean, be told I, by the manager not to swear. I I do think that they with VAR with Saints, some of the decisions are just really hard to to get and to, to understand. And I think like when you look at the Danny Ings one against Villa in that last last thing of like no one thinks that's offside. No, no one it's like no one like no one who's ever played football or loves football or has anything to do with football as a pleasurable sport experience would say that's offside. You know, it's completely arbitrary. And the other thing that drives me even more mad is they're doing it with like really old equipment. So they're not even, it's not really like frame by frame. It's frame by frame, but it's not even like a... Not like a slow-mo camera. Yeah, it's not like a, as fast as it can be. Cause it's all, so, What's it? so they're not using fast frame rate cameras? I don't think they're using as fast a frame rate as you get in, say, tennis or cricket. Or your iPhone. Or your iPhone. Like, so, so, they, so they've done it like in a, you know, like we tend to do in this country. We do something, but we kind of do it in a bit of a crap way. Mm. And the ball moves quickly. Like Players dealing with move. COVID. Yeah. Yeah, the ball moves quickly. Players move quickly. And I just don't think anyone knows anymore. Yeah. It all know. went wrong when we elected Boris Johnson as the officiator of VAR, I think. Yeah. But it just is sucking the fun out. Isn't it just sucking the enjoyment out? It is out? sucking the fun out of it. It really is. You know, it's, but it's what the, and this is the only conspiracy I do believe in, because it's what the TV people want. Because the TV people, which is the money, want it to be endlessly analysed and endlessly spoken about and endlessly written about and endlessly tweeted about. And VAR gives you that. Because mm. ultimately, they don't care about players. In this, they don't care about footballers and um, spectators in the ground. They're a distraction. And they don't, they're now not the primary source of revenue for clubs. So they don't care. TV is the primary source of revenue. It's a global sport. You need to make it as controversial and as difficult and as talkable and as shareable as possible. And you know what? All the outrage from VAR feeds that monster. That's the conspiracy. Okay. It's not a conspiracy against Saints. It's a conspiracy against the joy of football and the, and the joy of being a spectating fan. Real life football, yeah. Oh, Tom, I really miss it. Do, do, do you like sometimes sit there and just dream of like Saints scoring a goal, falling over the chair in the away stand in front of you, being hugged by a stranger to the point that you're winded, getting into a pub where it's so busy that you can't make it to the bar and there's just a febrile atmosphere that something could go off at any moment and everyone's shouting and singing and it smells bad and the floor's sticky and the beer's not great quality. But We went to Wolves last season, a great day out. I'm never going to probably go to Wolverhampton for anything in my life. But I went to Wolverhampton, I got the train up by myself like a grown-up, met some crew Alexander fans on the train, you know, had a beer with them on the train. We went to that weird pub 
for the away fan, you know. I, I mean, what, what I wouldn't have, to, what I wouldn't give to like stand at a bar for twenty minutes trying to get served and then somehow try and carry six pints with just my two hands <laughs> back to you, you, my brother, my father-in-law, my dad. You know, Freddie. Ah, oh, I just yeah. I miss it so much, Tom. There'll be plenty of opportunities in the championship next year, John. Don't we? Oh, we're not going to do that. <laughs> We're not talking about relegation yet, are we? Are we, Tom? No, John. No. So, I mean, we've got one more game which we haven't covered yet um, out of the four, which was the 1-1 game against Chelsea. Um, this, I thought, was a really good performance. Yeah, this was perfect. I mean, Saints. yeah. There were so- some moments. Alonso had an early chance, and I think we all went, Ooh. but what a goal from Minamino. Yeah, it was it was possibly the strangest first half of football I've ever seen because Chelsea had all of the ball. In the end, Rudiger takes a, a shot from what forty yards, sort of pond skimmer. That's their first shot on target after like twenty eight mm. or like you know however many minutes. And but Chelsea have all of the ball. Don't seem to really be able to do anything with it. Saints cannot get out of their half. And then you sort of see this nice give and go between Romeo and Redmond, and you think, well, nothing's going to happen here. And then you realise that Chelsea have left a gap the size of the Channel Tunnel um, through their central defenders. Which, by the way, nicely done from uh, Musa Gineppo, who, who spins off and, and takes one of the fullback, one of the centre backs with him. And it's it was such a good goal that I just thought they have to disallow it. Because it was too good to live. Yeah, it was too beautiful to live. Not for saints. That's for too saints. nice for saints. You're not allowed that. You don't deserve that at the moment. Yeah. So. I mean, th- let's talk about that through ball from Redmond first because it was a stunner, wasn't it? I mean, yes, Gineppe made the space. Minamino got into the space. But that ball was perfect. Yeah, and, and Redmond, um, who we've spoken about a lot, uh, is arguably saints' most frustrating player. Um, I read another thing on Twitter, I haven't verified it, but it does sound like it could be true, that Redmond has scored 19 goals in five seasons. Which is kind of nuts, because um, yeah, he's a winger. Yeah. Forward. Um, but he's got to do something with his game, and I, I thought actually thought he had a good game against, against Chelsea. I think you know, he got battered, but he held the ball up well. Um, but it was a lovely pass. Um, but the finish, John, was just... Oh, just, just to sit down the central defender and the goalkeeper with a drop of the shoulder and then to have the cool calmness to then sort of like poke it around this sort of like deft touch with the outside of the right boot. It was just glorious, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it was nice because for Chelsea, for all their huffing and puffing, hadn't actually done anything. No. Uh, Saints hadn't, don't get me wrong, Saints hadn't done anything, but Chelsea hadn't. And Chelsea are the ones who spent £200 million on players in the summer um, and have the sort of, you know, sexy manager. Um, going in half-time 1-0, feels pretty good, that game. Yeah. Second half, I mean, I think we still performed pretty well. And Ings is tackle aside, which, I mean, yes, it's probably a penalty. It's not the worst Penalty by any stretch of the, the, the imagination, but it probably was. It was quite a bad tackle. Yeah, but also how many times this season has Danny, and last, Danny has some brilliant last-ditch bits of defending in the penalty area. So, you know, 
if that's the one thing he gets wrong in our penalty area, then he's allowed that. Yeah. Um, so Saints kind of paid the price for not being able to get a hold of Mason Mount. Yeah. He is, I know he's escaped, but what a player. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Should we talk about Vestgaard hitting the bar? With a, almost like a sort of carbon copy stooped header. Yeah. The scored against, uh, the goal he scored at Stamford Bridge. Um, I, you know, it, it was a stooped header, but in, looping high, wasn't it? Yeah, looping high. If it had gone in, it wouldn't have felt undeserved for us no. to win. It would have felt a bit like a smashing grab, but it wouldn't have been undeserved. No. And I think if you take away the penalty, the, the XG was basically even between yeah. the two sides, which is pretty amazing considering the amount of possession that Chelsea had. But, you know, when we were talking about, um, I mentioned earlier that I don't think Carl was 100% right about Saints just having plan A and then plan A squared because I think the way we played against Chelsea does demonstrate a slightly different approach to a game. And I think the way we played against Liverpool when we beat them, we used a different approach to how we would normally approach it. Because I think we were a bit more cautious and we did get more men behind the ball in the Chelsea game than we did in the Leeds game or the Wolves game. Well, I think as well in the Chelsea game, um, you know, you have players who've played really well, I thought. Uh, The standout player for me was Musa. I thought he was just amazing. Um, And again, you know, if we're going to... You know, if we are going to go down this idea of conspiracy and, and stuff not going Saints' way, then it does strike. Like, I thought that Kante and the Werner, I thought they were fouls on Musa. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. Like, Kante's one. Like, I when I watched it in real time, I thought it's a foul. And if it's a foul, it's a red because he's not in control of the ball. Like, he's he's lost the ball. His foot's raised. He ankle, he starts him in the ankle, and I'm like, and then Werner does the same thing on Musa, and I just don't get it. Like, I don't get how that's a, not at least a yellow, and I don't get like Bertrand gets sent off against Leicester. Yeah, again, may not speak his name after Leicester have scored. You know, so it's like double punishment for a similar challenge and I don't get and you know I was at the Newcastle game and Musa Gineppo did virtually the same thing and got sent off for it after 26 minutes changing changing that game completely I just don't get it like how does how do they not look at it and go yeah you know is at that point dangerous out of control whether or not it's intentional or not you know was that Yankovic he wasn't intending to blast McTominay in the thigh was he but it, I don't understand how they can look at it and think, yeah, Kante's still in control. Um, it's it's massive. It's because Kante's a nice guy, isn't it? He's well-liked. Not that kind of guy. But maybe he is. You know, and, well, you know, maybe he's not, but he's made a mistake and he should be sent off. Yeah, and Werner. Or have you, it's the same thing. And what I don't understand is how they can look at it and say, yeah, there's no case to answer that. Um, very strange and I think as well but even weirder John than all of that the weirdest one of the lot is the best bit of skill for Mr. Jeffo is where he beats three men well, he does that sort of pirouette doesn't he pirouette three men he's running I think at Kovacic 
And Kovacic, you know, on the break, Saints have got players to the left, they've got players to the right. Kovacic takes him down, no yellow card. So, like, that is, doesn't make any sense. It was a professional foul in the sense, you know, to break up the play, exactly what we saw um, Vestergaard, I think, get booked for last night against Leeds. You know, and, and we saw Musa got booked for it against Leeds last night. You know, took someone out because it's better than conceding the chance. Like, I don't, you know, again, it's not a conspiracy, but like, what is it? If it's the problem is, if it's not a conspiracy, it's ineptitude. So you choose FA, PGMOL, whoever it is that is in charge of referees, and you choose which one you prefer. To do. I, I think bias exists, whether it's conscious or unconscious, it definitely exists. It does exist. It does, of course, it doesn't. You, know, you can't, I think, if that had been. Musa Jepo going over the top and hitting Timo Werner, I think he would have been... The problem is, if he's going to be a yellow card, it has to be a red. Yeah. I, I, it just drives me mad. I don't... The Kovacic thing was so weird, because it's like, it's a yellow card. Like, any day of the week, any level of football, first minute, last minute, it's a yellow card. And for it not to be given... And again, it, you know... It, it's not a losing a player, but it changes it, doesn't it? You know, mm. we see how Saints have to change their game when Romeo gets booked. I just don't get it, and I, I we're just not getting these decisions. Dear Football Association, yes, they'll write back and say it's not us, the Premier League, or whatever it is. Yeah, the Premier, uh, the Premier League will write back and say, "Oh, don't blame us. The FA make the rules." But why do I understand, Jones? How are they getting worse? Yeah, well, I don't or it's know. just everything overanalyzed. I really don't know, Tom. It blows my mind. It really does. I'm upset about this now. Right, what what do we do now? Do we talk about the game against Everton and Man City, or is that just more upsetting? Well, I don't think. Look, I think we are we're almost as close to European places as we are to the relegation places, and we've still got. You know, Ralph is still in the dugout. I still believe he's the right man for the job. We've still got really good players. I just think they need to come out and they need to show the club. They need to show the fans something, don't they? Right. They need to show the league something. Tom, here's the silver lining, okay? Go on. You've got a free weekend. You don't have to worry about football this weekend. Saturday, no Saints game. Sunday, no Saints game. You can just go out there, enjoy it. Go for a walk with the wife and the kids. Yeah. You know, just don't worry about it. And instead, Saints can ruin your Monday night. That's it. That's all they can do. They can't ruin your Saturday or your Sunday this weekend. Monday's a pretty shabby anyway. Yeah, it is. I'm not as doom and gloom as um, some of the, the fans, I think. But I do think the players need to to do something but the players almost need to step in here and do it because they're the only ones who can do this yeah and I, I just I think it's probably our listeners we, there'll be some listeners who'd be annoyed that we haven't talked about this just yet but is it time for Ralph to leave well I no in any big football football clubs should start thinking about themselves like businesses and 
like a football club like Southampton with a turnover it has would probably be a FTSE 100 business or certainly a FTSE 250 business the manager is arguably the most important person at the club would a FTSE 100 or FTSE 250 business allow their chief executive to leave if they didn't have a succession plan in place of course they, you know, most of them would say no way that's mad Saints who are they going to get like realistically who do they think they're going to get that's better than Ralph and I, I don't think they will and I think you know what do you do you, bring, you end up bringing in like an Allardyce or a Hughes you know or God forsaken like Pardew and we've been through two of those three and I I don't think it is but I think what there is I think Saints have, I think Saints are for all their talk quite a badly managed organisation mm. And I think not being able to lock down Ings on a contract has had consequences. I think not being able to lock down Bertrand on a contract has had consequences. I think letting out our two junior fullbacks is really bad management of, a, of an organisation of a football club. I think it's, it screams of not forward planning. And I don't understand it. I mean, these aren't office workers that you can rely to come into the office you know, 285 days a year out of 300, these are athletes playing the most compressed season they've ever had at a faster pace than ever before with little preparation. Of course they're going to get injured more. What purpose did it serve Saints to let Vokins and Valerie go on loan? They might come back better players. They might not. I mean, if, if everything you hear about Saints is that if you go on loan, you've got no future at the club. Mm. That's what we hear. And if, if they've got no future at the club, well, you might as well just hold on to them anyway for the rest of the season because if they can do yeah, a half decent 45 minutes or 90 minutes when they're needed, then that's more useful than them going away and not being part of the future, isn't it? Yeah, and you've you know, been off at your leisure my, rather than someone else's. My theory about Saints is that we are so bad at believing our own hype. You know, when things are going well it's because we've aced it we've pulled a trick on the football world it's because we're more clever than everyone else and we believe it and I always think that's a really dangerous thing to do is believing your own hype and I think Saints do it all the time yeah and I think I think you know this isn't the first time we've done this I think um in the first season of Ralph I don't know if you remember but after we that game against, I think it was his first season, after the Bournemouth game, mm. we drew, um, and we were, they did a like lap of honour mm. on the pitch and did the raise and you know, running up and down, like, all arms things. There was still like five games to go, and four games to go, and then they played terribly, didn't they? I mean, they just got, they were awful. And again, it's like, they're not professional are they? They're not being professional. It's the only way you can think about it. I don't know what else it is. Yeah. So anyway, well, uh, there's a lot for us to ponder there, Tom. And, um, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, I, I think basically what we need is we need two decent halves together <laughs> and not a whole load of luck that stinks. Yeah, we also need to stop. We need to stop relying on someone else to save us. Yeah, 
We need to stop relying on VAR to go our way and we just need to do what we should have done against Leeds. Be 2-0 up in 10 minutes and that's the end of it. Game's over. Yeah. Like, well, it wouldn't be for Saints though, would it? It wouldn't be for Saints. But like, yeah, game should be over at that point. Instead, like, we're not doing that and then we're, we're relying on, on the Angels and the Angels aren't listening to us at the moment. Yeah, Okay. So, Everton, beware, we're going to be 4 0 up at half time. Then they'll win 5 4. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richarlison contractually has to score against Saints. Yeah. As, um, as does Sigurdsson. Tom, it's been a, an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Um, I think we're probably all still a little bit shell shocked from how bad that performance was in the second half against Leeds. It, it, it really was uh, dreadful. That. But, you know, it's. Probably not time to ditch the manager just yet, but by God, these players and manager and everyone at the club needs to show us some guile, guts, resilience. We need to see a reaction now, don't we? Well, they, they have to. I mean, I, I know we're not talking about the R word, John, but it's not impossible. Not impossible. And until it's impossible, it's a factor. Yeah. There we go. Um, let's stop the rot. Tom, let's also stop the podcast and uh, get back to, to, to normal normal life. Nothing nothing to worry about at the weekend, though. No, a nice weekend off. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you very much, listeners, for sticking uh, with us. Um, I'm sorry that it's a torrid time, but don't blame us. Blame the Saints. Um, <laughs> we'll see if we can guarantee some uh, some Premier League points and perhaps even a Premier League victory to talk about next time. But, uh, yeah, here's hoping. Uh, not sure I can see it just yet that we'll be getting it against Everton. So, so let's see. Anyway, night-night, everyone. Thanks.